Folks, I am fully aware of the date on our calendar. What I mean is, this is Memorial Weekend. Tomorrow being Memorial Day, I want to encourage you to take the time to thank God for all those who have served, are serving now, and maybe even those who've given their lives so that we can be free to worship God the way we are today. Many times I feel a, a bit of an obligation to customize a sermon, maybe, because it's Memorial Weekend, and so I will try to preach a message um, that will encourage you in that way. But as I wrestled with the Lord for many weeks now, coming to this day, I did not feel him leading me in that direction at all. And so instead of following our physical calendar, I decided that I would get on God's calendar and I'd preach what God told me to preach today. Is that all right with everybody? So this has nothing to do with Memorial Weekend. But I do believe that God has a word for your life and for your heart today. If you desire to hear the word of the Lord, I want you to open your Bible right now to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, please speak to your facilitator, your life group facilitators, your life group host, hostess, your life group leaders as to life groups on tonight. Some are having life groups and some are not. I don't know that schedule, so please talk to your, your life group leaders and they will tell you if in fact you're meeting tonight or not. Some have opted to um, find other times because of the holiday weekend. Psalm 121, are you there? Hallelujah. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Aren't you glad about that? Woo! He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Amen, amen, and amen. God, you have sent this word today. You are sending this word today with purpose and with power. God, I pray it would penetrate into the heart and mind of every person you've gathered into this room. You're here, folks, by divine purpose. Let God speak to you now, and we give you thanks for it as we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What do you do when you need help? Do you go to the phone or do you go to the throne? 
<laughs> well, maybe we'd do both. Listen, I thank God for the modern technology of today. How many do not own a cell phone? One, two, three, four, five. That's more than I thought. We only had one in the first service, and he was 12 which is actually very unusual because most get cell phones at least by 10, most. Blows my mind because when I think about when I was 10, come on somebody, I had no more business having a phone every day, all day. Well, there's another sermon. I might develop that for later. How many use your cell phone every day? Sure. How many don't have landlines because you have cell phones? A good many people don't even have landlines anymore. They just have cell phones. Well, here, it, it's fine. I, when, when trouble comes, I wonder, do you pick up the phone first or do you go to the throne first? And I'll be, I'll be honest with you today. I've been guilty of going to the phone first and the throne second. I pick up the phone and I call Karen. If anybody's going to help me, I know she will. Karen would go to the ends of the earth for me, and I know that. Karen truly would lay on a track for me, and I know that. Because we are one. God put us together. Clearly. So she will fight for me like nobody else. So, of course, I'm going to call Karen. And then maybe we go to the throne together, you know. I'm just being honest right or wrong. But I am praying, God, help me to instinctively go to you first. Because as much as I love Karen, she's limited in what she can do to help me because she's flesh. She's a human. But see, with God, oh, come on, Mitch, you got that right there. With God, there is no limit. He is limitless. Without boundary and has all the supply <laughs> that I could possibly ever need or want to help me. And so I'd be better off to really seek higher ground. Somebody say higher ground. Higher ground. Where do you go when you need help? Where do you go when disaster comes upon you unexpectedly? There's a movie, recent movie, about the 2004 tsunami that hit Thailand and Sri Lanka and parts of India. You all remember this? It was Christmas break. It actually happened December 26th, 2004. And this is a depiction, Hollywood style, albeit. It's a depiction of an actual family that survived, husband, wife, and three children. They survived this tsunami. The tsunami separated this family, and then uh, just by coincidence, by happenstance, they were all brought back together. I researched a little bit about the animal instinct when disaster comes. Listen to this. 
shortly before the December 26 tsunami in Thailand, which killed over 150,000 people, by the way, 150,000 deaths. Shortly before this tsunami hit in Thailand, there were about 12 elephants that began trumpeting calls from a village 50 miles north of where the tsunami struck. It correlates with the timing of the 9.0 earthquake out in the ocean. About an hour prior to the waves actually reaching shore and causing the massive destruction, the elephants became agitated and ran for higher and safer ground. Amazing. Flamingos and other birds also left the area well before the tsunami hit. In the Yala National Park in Sri Lanka, an area very hard hit by the tsunami, all the wildlife from leopards and tigers to boar, water buffalo, deer, monkeys, reptiles, and elephants, they escaped to higher ground. And this report says no animal, big or small, was harmed by the tsunami. Other reports say very little wildlife was killed. Almost all of the animal life had an instinct that when trouble was coming, they had to get to higher ground. Somebody say higher ground. They had to get to higher ground in order to be safe. Witnesses said they saw dogs running to the top of hills way before any human even conceived that a tsunami could be arriving. Bats, which are normally nocturnal, were awakened and active about 30 minutes prior to the tsunami. People told stories of their dogs refusing to go on their daily walk on the beach that morning, and monkeys refused eating bananas. All of this prior to the tsunami, I'll ask it again, where do you go for your help? I want to suggest to you that as this, this psalm says, I will lift up my eyes, where? To the hills. I want you to seek higher ground. I want us today to head for the hills. You ready to head for the hills? You ready to go up a little bit higher, get above the muck and the mire? Are you ready to go above the circumstance, above the situation, above the noise, above the mess? Let's head for the hills today. This great, great scripture has encouraged me and many of you over, over our time serving the Lord. It's just a powerful... Uh, Psalm of the help that comes from God. But it got my wheels turning about this whole thought of, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from a higher place, from a higher ground. My help comes from a higher source. So I'm taking you to the mountains today. We are heading for the hills. Hill number one, jot it down. 
in your time of trouble, and when you need help, head for a hill called Sinai. I love the story of Moses. He married Jamie. No, 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 a different Moses. They're going to have another baby. You all know that? They're going to have a little baby boy, and they're going to call him Judah. Judah plows. Judah prays. You better preach that, Pastor Moses. You better preach that. Why did I talk about that? Oh, Moses. I love Moses. Isn't Isn't that a great read? Isn't that a great study, the story of Moses? He was born in a time of great, great uh, tribulation, uh, uh, great, there was killing of all the baby boys. Pharaoh was killing all of the baby boys. And so Moses' mother, she decided she's going to put him in the river in the bulrushes. Do you all remember that from Sunday school days, trying to hide the baby in a little basket in the river? Wouldn't you know somebody found the baby? Somebody found the baby. But it wasn't just anybody, was it? Who found the baby? Pharaoh's daughter. Can you believe it? Look at God. Look at God. Pharaoh's daughter. The only way the baby is going to be spared probably is if Pharaoh's daughter, whom he loved, said, I don't want you to kill this one. And that's exactly what happened. She said, Daddy, can I have this one for myself? I'll raise him. Just let me, don't, don't, don't kill this little baby. So Moses is spared, and God uses Pharaoh's household to actually raise Moses, the baby. But of course, Pharaoh's daughter has no experience, so she says, well, I really need, I really need a nursemaid. Who dropped this baby off anyway? Isn't it just like God to handpick Moses' mother to be the nursemaid in Pharaoh's house? Is anybody else amazed at how God does things and how God moves and works in mysterious ways? Moses is raised in the very best environment possible in Pharaoh's own household, wanting for nothing, receiving the very best of everything. But he grows to be a man and he gets in some bit of trouble and so... He ends up killing a man. So what does Moses do? Well, he does what anybody would do, probably. He runs. He runs from God. You can't run from God. He thought, I'll go to the backside of the desert. God doesn't know about the backside of the desert. So the Bible says he's on the backside of the desert. But see, God knows where the backside of the desert is too. Come on, somebody, help me today. You can't go anywhere that God isn't already there. The psalmist said, where can I go from you? If I hide here, you're there. If I go there, you're there. Moses goes to the backside of the desert and God speaks to Moses in a supernatural way. A bush begins to flame and blaze. A bush is on fire but not consumed. And a voice comes out of the bush and God speaks to Moses and God calls Moses. He says, Moses, I have a job for you. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Remember, Moses lived in this dude's house. Go to Pharaoh and tell him that I've sent you 
and I want him to let my people go. Wow. So Moses, of course, he again does what any rational uh, man would do. He said, God, are you crazy? God, I can't even speak right. God says, I know, that's why I picked you. Because if you're speaking right, you'll probably say things I don't want you to say. So God, finally, Moses relents and he says, yes, you know, I'll go. God demonstrates his power through Moses' rod. It turns into a snake. He picks it back up. It turns back into his rod. And he goes and he speaks to Pharaoh. And then there's the ten plagues. God showing his power and demonstrating himself. uh, Confirming that this is God's plan, of course. And finally, Pharaoh says, okay. I'm going to let your people go because I don't want another frog on my property. I don't want any more flies and I don't want any more blood in the water. And I definitely don't want any more of my babies killed. Get out of here. Get out of Egypt. So there is the mass exodus. That's where we get the the book title from, Exodus. It's an exiting from Egypt. What does Egypt represent? Slavery. Bondage, imprisonment, the enemy. And God freed his people, and there they go. On to the promised land. I love the story of Moses. They finally get to a place of the impasse. It's the Red Sea. Not only that, Pharaoh changed his mind, didn't he? He said, I think I I want them after all because they made good slaves and now we're going to have to make our own bricks. So he sent his people out, go and get Moses and all the people and we're bringing them back into captivity. But God set him free. And you know what the Bible says about being free? He who the Son sets free is what? Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him free indeed. Free indeed. Come on, somebody. Free indeed. He had already set him free. They're not going to be back in bondage even though they long to go back from time to time. That's another sermon too. So finally, God, uh, let me cut to the chase here. God parts the Red Sea. He delivers his people. They walk across on dry land, didn't even get their their trousers muddy. Oh, they didn't wear trousers. Didn't even get their skirts muddy. Didn't even get their sandals muddy. Walked on dry land, the Bible says. And so then Pharaoh and his army think, well, if they can get across, so can we. But God had another plan. And of course... The sea came in on on Pharaoh's army. And it says that the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. And he destroyed all of them. So now here's Moses at another mountain. It's called Sinai. Exodus 19.3. And God is speaking to Moses yet again. Sinai. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from Mount Sinai... And he said, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Do you know what happened on Sinai? Do you know why Sinai is so significant? Do you know why I'm asking you to go up to this particular mountain? Sinai is where God gave the Ten Commandments. This is where God, with his own finger, etched in what he wanted his people to do and not to do. The Ten Commandments. It is the law that declared God's holiness. 
It is the law that sets down unchanging principles. These are the principles that guided the people of God in the wilderness. And these are the principles that will guide us in the wilderness today. How many still believe in the Ten Commandments? They're not the ten suggestions. They're the ten commandments. And I believe they're as relevant. I believe they're as fresh. And I believe they are for us today. These are the principles that will help us in our time of need. When you need help, where do you go? Go to Mount Sinai. Go to the Word of God. Mount Sinai represents the Word of God. I love this, this psalm. You'll have to just flip back a, a little bit. It's Psalm 119, 105. Just one page turn for me. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Interesting, a lamp is a stationary light source. And so you enter the room and you pull the chain on the lamp, or if it's, if it's wired uh, properly, you just flip on the switch and it will light the lamp. But the lamp is a, a lighting source for the room that you're in. It's where you are. See, the Bible says that his word is a lamp for our feet. In other words, it wants to illuminate where we are right now. In every detail, in every decision, it, it, it wants to tell us where we are right now. God's Word will do that. Have you ever wondered what God's will is for your life? God, what do you want me to do now? God's Word will illuminate that room, that moment, that time for you. But it also says that his word is a lamp for our feet and a what? A light for our, our path. So this suggests that not only will God's word illuminate where we are, when it's time for God to move us to the next place, his word will illuminate that path. It will show us the runway, if you will. How many have ever flown in an airplane? Ever flown at night? Had to take off at night? If you've ever had to take off at night, you should thank God that they have runway lighting. Otherwise, how would these planes even know where to go and what path? Of course, they have people directing them, too, and telling them. You ever seen those guys with the... Yeah. I wonder what kind of school they go to for all that. But they do. You better know they do. As every gesture means something. But the pilot finally, he says, oh, I see the runway now. And it's all lit up with, with lighting. And then they can take off. And they go to their next place of destination. God's word. See, all y'all were at a different church. Everybody here has come from some other church. Now, there's some, Miss Bonnie, you've been here a, a number of years, but you were at a different church before this, right? I was at a different place. I, Karen and I were in Chicago. And while we were in Chicago, God's Word served as a lamp. 
It was the room, so to speak, that we were in, and God's word was illuminating that word. But I remember I came home one day, and I said, Karen, I think this is the beginning of the end for us in Chicago. She said, I've known that for months. I've just been waiting for you to hear God. Let's let it be the end of the end, and let's pack up our things and get on with where God is going to take us. Men, you should thank God for your wives. You should thank God for the women. Many, many times God will speak to Karen way before he speaks to me. I don't know why, but it's how it works. How many husbands know what I'm talking about? And you go and say something to your wife and they say, God spoke to me weeks ago. God spoke to me months ago. And they just tuck that away in their heart and they pray for us and they, they support us and they wait on us. Thank God for our, our holy wives, our righteous wives. Amen. And so the Word of God served as a, a light to our path. It's like path lighting, too. You take a walk somewhere, and there's path lighting. You need a microphone? You going to fix me? See there? She's going to take care of me. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. His word. In your time of trouble, in your time of when you need help, when disaster, go to, go to the higher ground. Go to Mount Sinai. Go to the word of God. Psalmist also said, I'll have to flip one more page. Uh, it is Psalm 119, well, two more pages. That's a long chapter, isn't it? Psalm 119.11, your word I've hidden in my heart. Why? So I don't sin against you, God. Seek higher ground. Go to Mount Sinai. Here's another mountain we're going to go to today. When you need help, head for the hill called Mount Calvary. Now we know this mount pretty well. We, we preach about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. Mount Calvary. This is the place where Jesus died to satisfy the law. It's a place of mercy and grace flowing down freely to those who will receive. This is the place where God was just and God was the justifier. Romans 3, we know 323 very well, but let me read on from it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at that present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How many have put their faith and trust in Jesus today? Calvary is a hill of salvation and hope. Are you burdened with sin? Go to Calvary. Go to the hill called Calvary. Do you long for the assurance of heaven and want to know the proper route 
You've got to go to this mountain, Calvary's cross. The cross is the cure. When you're in pain, go to Calvary. When you're unwilling to forgive, go to Calvary. When you are offended, go, go to Calvary. When you have wounded others and others have wounded you, take it to the cross of Calvary. For every wrong thing and every mistake, take it to Calvary because I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I had that track ready. Come on, does anybody believe in Calvary? I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe whatever the cost and when Time has surrendered And this earth is no more I'll still cling To the old rugged cross I believe That this life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to an end oh but faith your faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to my friend. And I believe that the Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change life today oh, oh for it changed me completely a new life is mine that is why by the cross I will stand oh all the believers in the house to get on your feet. I believe whatever the cause and when time time has surrendered and this earth this earth is no more I'll still cling
Get to higher ground. Get to higher ground. Go to the hill called Mount Calvary. Well, you know I'm not done. I always do things in three, so I got one more hill for you. One more hill, and we're going to wrap it up. Go to Mount Olivet. Number three, come on, bring that up. Head for the hill called Olivet. Some of y'all saying, what's Olivet? I, know, I don't even know that I've heard that. Does anybody know what happened on Olivet? I'm going to test you just a little bit. We know a lot about Calvary. Something significant happened at Olivet. This is the hill where Jesus ascended after he died and was resurrected. Mm, I'm going to wrap this up. But the reason I'm trying to get you to Olivet is because there's some significant things that happened on Olivet. Before he ascended, he said some things. There was a commissioning that happened to the disciples. Uh, bring up Acts 1-8 for everybody. He said, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. Come on. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And here's the commissioning. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And in fact, I want you to be my witnesses all around the world. All around the world. Hallelujah. I felt that. There's a commissioning right here, folks. Just before he ascended from Olivet, he commissioned the disciples, but then he also empowered them because he called them to do something they really couldn't do on their own, didn't he? Evangelize the whole world. Do you think you could do that on your own? Well, you can't. I can't. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, come on somebody, there's really nothing we can't do. I never dreamed that I'd be to five, six, seven different countries all over the world. And I'm going to another one coming up. And if you want to go with me, you better sign up fast because it's filling up. I'm taking a group of 24 more people. There's only room for 25 and I got the first seat. 25 of us are going to go to the Dominican Republic and make an impact there that will last forever. I believe it. We're going to lead people to the Lord. We're going to see miracles take place. We're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed. If you want to see God do something supernatural, you ought to sign up today and start putting your pennies away right now. It's a life-changing trip. I never thought for one moment that I could do all the things that I've seen God use me to do. But I recognize that it's not in my strength, it's not in my ability, because just as God said to Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. When you need help, get to Olivet, you'll remember your calling, your commissioning, you'll remember the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, You'll remember you're supposed to be reaching out to somebody else who needs help. You want to you get help for your time of, of, of trouble? Start focusing on somebody else who needs help. Start remembering there's people worse off than you. Start remembering God called me to preach and to teach. God called me to go into all the world and make disciples. You'll see how quickly your trouble and your help seems to shrink. 
And it's not as big as all that after all. There's another reason I want to get you to Olivet. Bring up the rest of this, uh, these few scriptures in Acts 1. 9 through 11, watch this. Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. See it, see it, see it. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they're looking up with their mouths dropped open, can I expound on that just a little bit? While they're looking up steadfastly, dumbfounded toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men, now this is actually talking about two angels, two men stood by them in white apparel and also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, come on somebody, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. When you need help, get to Mount Olivet. It will remind you of a promise that we're not going to be here very long anyhow. There's a trumpet that is going to sound and I believe the Lord himself will descend with the sound of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise and we that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Come here Pastor Moses. Bring me your, your musicians, your singers. Come on. Mm. You're going to need help from time to time. I'm going to need help from time to time. Where do we go when we need help? I got a little bit of hick in me still. Maybe I let that show today. Even in the title of the message, Head for the Hills. I'm still just a country boy at heart. But God give us the sense and the spiritual instinct that when trouble's coming, may we sense it and may we head for higher ground, higher ground. Dan and Dodie, I pulled this, I like this. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining <laughs> every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a glim, gleam of glory bright. But still I pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Everyone standing. Lord, take us up high. God, take us up above the fray, above the fear, above the confusion, 
help, God, and we need it right now. Come on, if you're in trouble right now, you need help right now. I want you to slip out and come and stand across this front. Our elders will meet you here. Our pastors will be waiting on you. Lift your heads. Lift your eyes to the mountains. Where does your help come from? Yes. I lift up my eyes. Come on, I want to pray for anybody who needs help right now. You're going through a situation. My help comes from God. You are the maker.